0: hey what up everybody welcome to another episode of the man cave podcast brought to you by hy and our new sponsor toys and ford so thank you for checking us out uh on this latest episode of the man cave podcast coming up on this episode of the podcast we got a little here's the thing i'm going to talk a little bit more about uh you know the officiating and and roughing the passer calls and and that stuff because we got another one last night with the with the Chiefs and, and Raiders game, so I'm you know kind of a little box here sort of thing. But you know I'm, I'm kind of dialing that down here a little bit too. I know a lot of people are talking about should we expand instant replay again to, to 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 like you know look for for plays like that or to reverse plays like that. I don't know if I'm in favor of that. I don't know if I'm in favor of that. But we'll get to that. We got a DK show instant replay uh, coming at you. Talking a little of the floor, doing a little uh, bench start cut, and then uh, last call. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, this uh, this Redeem Team documentary. Finished it up the other night, and I gotta tell you, it's fantastic. I think they could have made it longer. To, to be honest with you, it's like hour and a half, so about a movie's length. I think they could have made it longer, but it's great, and it really kind of grew my appreciation for kobe and coach k so but let's get this podcast started with a little here's the thing so you know i know i was talking about it the other day these these roughing the pastor calls are getting a little ridiculous now and it's giving me flashbacks uh, i believe it was like 2018 remember when the beginning part of the season was just getting like absolutely ridiculous i think clay matthews was getting flagged like for almost every time he hit A quarterback, I can think of the Minnesota game where it affected the game. Like Green Bay would have had an interception that probably would have won them the game. Uh, It was called back. Overtime game ended up being tied. Washington, I think it was a week or two later. Same thing. You know, in these last couple of weeks, we're, we're seeing some very questionable, in my opinion, very questionable roughing the passer calls. And I don't know if it's based off of what's, you know, with the Tua situation and you know kind of really trying to protect the quarterbacks and and maybe overcompensating just a little bit here but it's also sparked the conversation of instant replay should should instant replay include you know plays like or or calls like roughing the passer should should it include that stuff and and I know Eli you know Eli Manning mentioned he's in favor of it on the Dan Patrick show and, you know, and I'm kind of changing it up a little bit here where, like, I was kind of the, you know, the the belief you've got the technology to, you know, get these calls right and, and that sort of thing. I, if they if they do instant replay on this, I don't want it to be where the official has to go to the sideline and go into the booth and waste any time already, like, like three, four, five minutes. It may not seem like enough, a lot, but it, it'll add up. If it's something that can be diagnosed quickly up top in New York, wherever, and they can call it in to the official within like a minute or so, go ahead and do it. I don't care. But to make it a challenge or anything like that, I'm not in favor of that. I'm not in favor of throwing the red flag for, for stuff like that for every single play. In, in fact, I, you know, I, I feel like if you can correct a call, a very obvious call. If you can correct that from a central location and you can do it within seconds under a minute, I'm okay with that. I'm open to that. But challenge flags and and, and going onto the booth and, and pausing the game for an extended period of time, I'm not in favor of that. You know, I do feel like you still have to have some sort of human element when it comes to officiating whether it's in baseball, basketball, football. I just think the game has, you know, these sports have expanded. I mean, athletes are getting faster, bigger, stronger. You know, things are moving quicker. I mean, it's its different than what it was even just 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So if you can get technology to help you out, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But I, I do feel like I still want a little bit of the the human element or the human error, if you will, involved in in some of these calls and some of these plays. So, you know, I just if if and that's that's the thin line that we all have to come up with, though, too. Like if we do have it so you can review a call or try to cl- or correct a call on on the field, you know, where's that line then? Where does that line stop so that you can still have a human element that you can still have human error involved in the game. So, and, and, and the thing is, too, is like we have to factor in, too, when, when a lot of these calls are being made, they're going really quick, right? I mean, it's split-second stuff. So it's obviously a lot easier to hindsight 20 and 20 on an instant replay slow-mo play. But, again, it goes back to, well, if you got the technology to fix it, why not use it? It's a back-and-forth here a little bit. I'm not – I guess where, where I'm trying to get at with this whole thing is that – I'm not necessarily, or I'm not in favor of instant replay of like the challenge and going under the booth sort of thing. If there's certain calls that can be reviewed in a few seconds from up top, you know, central location and called down to correct it right away, I'm okay with that. But I still want to have that human element into it a little bit too. So it's a thin line. No doubt about it. It's a thin line. But I also feel like too... What would help out this this sort of situation too, and in, in, in particular, like maybe roughing the passer calls. Quarterbacks just got to stop looking for flags all the time. I mean, players got to stop looking for flags all the time. I mean, how many times do we see it when a player scores a touchdown, you know, uh, catches a touchdown pass, and you see a corner looking for a flag or saying it's you know pass interference or something like that? It's almost every single time. At some point, these players and these coaches too, we have got to stop the complaining. We have got to stop looking for flags all the time. One point or or whistles being blown. You can't in one side, you know, criticize the officiating and then on the other side constantly look for flags on the field or for whistles being blown. You can't have it both ways. So, players, coaches, we've got to stop on the field of play, on the court We have got to stop complaining and always looking for a call. Hey, I'm guilty of it too when I used to play. Even in like intramurals, I'm guilty of it. I, you know, I've done it. I get it. But really we have just got to stop. Even as a fan, you know, we're looking for it, right? We're, we're barking at the TV, but as a player and as a coach, we've got to dial it down. We can't constantly be looking for a penalty. Or a foul on every single play. You gotta stop doing that. All right. Quick break here and then uh we're gonna do a little DK show instant replay. And then after that, last call. At Toys and Ford, they're proud to serve the drivers of Chippewa Falls with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the Eau Claire, Bloomer, and Elk Mound region the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand new vehicles to choose from as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover, SUV and trucks. Plus with their expert finance, service and parts center in house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Check them out today at toysandford.net. Matt Lafleur he chatted a little bit with the with the media that was stateside some of the uh, Packers contingency, I should say Packers media contingency still flying back, still traveling. Coming back from London, but there were a few, a uh, few in house. So, uh, was able to be a press conference yesterday. Couple of uh, notes. One thing that Matt Lafleur did mention: let, we're sticking with the. We're going to start off with the defense here. Uh, but he mentioned a, talked a little bit about the defense. He said that uh, he told Joe Barry to be careful with exotic pressures against the giants because of their ability to get the ball to Saquon Barkley in the passing game. I uh, also said that uh, the defense that that the urgency to line up and play needs to be better. Needs to be better. I uh, said some of those crossing routes remember we went through the numbers with the crossing routes yesterday and just how awful green bay is at defending the crossing route lafleur saying some of the crossing routes were completed because they weren't quite set on defense have you if if the rest of you kind of noticed that too like when they're on defense and guys maybe just kind of (laughs) i kept thinking of like the the bull durham quote lollygagging i think that's the best way to probably describe it lollygagging to their assignments lollygagging to, to their spots there a little bit. That's kind of what, what Matt LaFleur was saying yesterday. But he wants to see that urgency to to get to their spots, to line up and get ready to go instead of, you know, guys just kind of getting there and then all of a sudden the play goes and boom, you're already a second behind or, or just a tick behind. But a tick behind can make all the freaking difference. So that urgency. Now is that players? Is that player caller getting it in in time? Probably a little bit of both. But Matt LaFleur wants to see that energy and that urgency picked up on defense. And I'm glad. I mean, that's calling it out there a little bit. Uh, He also, Matt LaFleur, did say that Joe Barry needs to do more to get uh, the defense to reach its potential. But the players need to execute better, too. Too many one-offs need all 11 doing their job at one single time. So those were just a couple things. He also mentioned that... uh, says the LaFleur said that the play-to-play consistency has to improve on defense. Defense should have done more to challenge the receivers. Thank you, Matt. Said that last week that I want – I mean, you – okay, it's a grind my gears Tuesday, so I can get to this. But you have got money invested in Jair Alexander as one of the top-paid corners in the league. You spent money to keep Rasul Douglas, who's your third corner on that depth chart – You invested a first-round pick in another corner, Eric Stokes, who has got 4-2 speed. You've got safeties where you invested money in Adrian Amos, and you invested a first-round pick in Darnell Savage. You've got money and picks invested in that secondary. There is absolutely no reason to not be aggressive with that secondary. To, you know maybe trust them a little bit how about challenging some wide receivers i mean look at this look at look at look at the schedule and and see who who they've played in the passing game so far yes and like we said overall passing our numbers green bay's second best but you look at the day crossing routes and it's like you've got yeah bear with me here a little bit but you're going up against you know Darius Layton or, you know, whoever the heck the Patriots were throwing out there and, and Tampa Bay and, and, and Chicago. You know, Justin Jefferson dominated you. But everybody else is like, okay, that secondary should be able to hold their own and, you know, get in the faces of those receivers. And the thing is with those crossing routes too, it's like get the get the corner up in his face and get him off the route. Give him a little bump within that five yards get him off his timing get him off that route a little bit that's why you've got speed of an eric stokes the makeup speed how much how many how many times do we talk about makeup speed when you draft in these corners jair's got speed give a little bump get in their face i mean you've invested so much into that secondary let him play let them go out there. Like I mentioned, I'm not the biggest fan of of zone coverage, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of zone coverage when you especially got talent like we think we've got in, in with this Packers secondary. And no, duh, coach, that you should have done more to challenge the receivers. Whew. Nah. little grind my gears action there too. Uh, moving to the uh, to the offensive side of things, Tom Silverstein with with a good question to Matt Lafleur, basically asking you need to trust the run game a little bit more. And again, does this sound like after Week One, a total of nineteen carries by A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones? Matt Lafleur saying that that's hard to justify. It's like a repeat of after week one when we talked about the, the amount of carries. And it's like, yeah, we've got to get those guys you know, more opportunities. We've got to get the ball in their hands a little bit more and, and all that. And and hey, I understand. It's easy for us to sit back here on our couch cushions and watch and dissect and and look at that. We're not on the field. We're not in the game. We're not calling the plays. It ain't mad. And I understand that. But at the same time, knowing the situation and such, where it was at, I don't quite understand why it's got to be hard at times to just turn around and hand it to 33 and 28. It's just... Maybe we're we're overthinking it? I I don't know. But, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like it should be that hard to turn around and and it off to thirty three and twenty-eight. We're making sure they get their touches. You know, it I've I've seen some people on social media kind of say, well, are they stuck in trying to, you know, preserve some health so it's down that stretch run and they're healthy and all that again? Pfft, you better worry about, you know, making sure you get to that dang stretch run in the postseason first. Uh some other comments from from the floor. Uh, the three and out. In the fourth quarter, uh, he thought the single high coverage was worth taking a shot at. Uh, he did think that there was a possible illegal contact. Again, don't. We, we don't need to count on officiating to, to make up plays for that. Uh, he said the second down was a run pass option that he considered a premier play and it didn't work. Uh, he also said there were a lot of mental errors, more than typical games. They hurt us in some critical situations. Uh, when he was asked if they were if the mental errors were blown assignments, he confirmed, saying yes. And then got an answer on the David Bakhtiari situation here. He said that uh, the long flight and and playing on turf was a factor, and not playing David Bakhtiari uh, the full time on Sunday. We want to make sure we're smart about it and that uh, they're in this for for the long run here. And remember yesterday we kind of highlighted Amari Rodgers. Are those days numbered with with Amari Rodgers? I feel like we're getting a little bit of frustration oozing out now from one Matt LaFleur about Amari Rodgers. Said he told Amari Rodgers, "You have to do a better job of taking care of the football." Once you put that on tape, guess what's coming your way. Said he expects the Jets to go for the strip now on Sunday and being aggressive with with Amari Rogers. But Amari Rodgers has now fumbled twice on punt returns. I, it's just not clicking with with Amari for whatever reason. It's just it's it's not there. It's not there. Practice squad receivers, when they get elevated, Juwan Winfrey's getting more playing time on offense than what Amari Rodgers is is getting. And now, I mean, he's probably, I would assume he's okay right now. He's like safe in terms of rush spot. And I think that's because of Christian Watson and his hamstring. I don't know how long he's going to be out and such, but we already saw the potential changing of the guard there, putting Christian Watson as a kick returner and trying to get some you know, more playmaking ability and, and maybe showcasing his speed back there a little bit. But Christian Watson, you know, that's that's one guy that he's just got, he's got to stay healthy. And we need him on the field because, you know, with these, the the questions the last couple days now have been the deep passing game, right? And especially, <clears throat> excuse me, after last night, you know, watch a Devontae, you know, make it a couple of deep touchdown passes or, excuse me, a couple of deep touchdown catches. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that would look really good in a Green Bay offense right now. Deep guy, right? Stretching the field. And it's like, that's supposed to be Christian Watson. But he's been banged up. He's dealt with a hamstring. He's missed time in training camp and preseason because of a knee. He is supposed to be that guy that takes the top over the over the defense takes the top off the defense and we just we got to get him on the field and we got to keep him on the field and 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 get him comfortable within his offense and and get him those opportunities that's the guy that's supposed to do it we just haven't seen nine out there on a consistent basis yet and a lot of it has to deal with with health on there so I don't know Alright, your thoughts and hit me up too on the uh on your thoughts on the uh you know again I was trying to trying to come up with the best way to phrase it, but the whole I I know a lot of people are talking about that third and fourth down and, and the passing out of there and instead of running the football, you know, Matt floor, kind of having his quarterback's back saying it was an all out blitz, you have to pass in that situation. When you look at the still frame though, I know that's going around social media. When you look at that still frame of, one, of that uh, fourth down play, I believe it was. Yeah, because Aaron's looking to his right. Um, that sure looked like AJ Dillon had a wide hole there. Hindsight twenty twenty, right? Hindsight twenty twenty. But that's the thing when you get to a quarterback when you have a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, you got to trust it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I hate to say it, but that's the case. I think to me, though, it's like, okay, if you're going to have a run-pass option, can we can we have a little bit better of a pass option in there or something? And I know you probably can't do the trickery like you did with the Mercedes-Lewis one because you know they're bringing that pressure, they're bringing that extra blitz, and you don't have time for a long-developing trickery play because then you're just going to get smacked right away in the backfield. I understand that, but I don't know. Yeah. Easy for us to second guess, I guess. Let's put it to the test. Bench, start, cut. Which one are you benching? Which one are you starting? Which one are you cutting? The Honorable Travis from A-Town. Bench Boonholzer, solid coach, championship pedigree, start counsel of the three. I think he's done more with less talent. Cut LeFleur. Seems like any time all things are equal with an opponent, he continues to be outcoached. Still love all three of these teams and hope every coach sticks around and wins, tons of games. This is really hard for me. Um, I've gone back and forth on this a little bit, and I agree with with the the honorable that I'm I'm good with all three right now. I'm I'm happy with all three, and I think I might. Ooh, this is really tough for me. Um. You know what, Honorable? I might agree with your picks. I might agree with your picks, but in the same breath, I, I, I hope every coach sticks around for, for a while and wins a ton of, games, ton of games, just like you said. I hope all three. And and I'm good with all three right now. Do, does each of them have their issues? Yeah. Is each of them perfect? No. Has each of them been pretty solid? Yeah. You can make a lot of cases for, for each one of these. But I think I agree with you, Travis. Start Council. Bench Boonholzer. I'm going back and forth. I'll tell you right now. I'm going back and forth, actually, between council and Boonholzer. Which one to start which one to bench. Because I mean Boonholzer does have the championship. He also had pretty a lot of really good talent. Um you know what? I might switch it. I'm going back and forth in my head. I'm, I'm playing a little ping pong here. I'm, maybe I give a little bit to to Boonholzer because of the championship. So I'm going to go start Boonholzer, bench Council, Cuttler, Floor, and I might be the only one that does that. Boonholzer, yeah. I've, 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 you know, there's been some defensive issues with him, and there's been some, you know, question marks on how like rotations and. And getting players in, I, I might give him the slightest, slightest advantages right now. Your tailgating headquarters is at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Their top-of-the-line meat department, which includes the Dan Good Burger, will make you the talk of your tailgate party. And the dips for snacking? those are what will make you an MVP on game days. And you never have to worry about Hy-Vee not having what you need, because their shelves and coolers are always stocked up with your favorite goods. Be the MVP of your tailgate party with the help from another MVP. That's High V in Eau Claire, located at two four two four East Claremont Avenue. Last call time here on the Man Cave Podcast, and I just finished up watching the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix. And uh, if you don't know what it's about, it's about the 08 Olympic men's basketball team, LeBron, Kobe, Coach K, D Wade, that sort of thing. And it, you know, they talk about uh, the shortcomings of the men's basketball team in the Olympics the prior years and. You know, Coach K coming aboard, Kobe coming aboard, and the commitment from guys like LeBron and D Wade and that. And I don't want to ruin it for anybody here. But that documentary I thought was extremely well done. It could have gone longer. He could have probably made a series on it, but it was about a movie's length, about an hour and a half. But, you know, the one thing that, or actually two things that really kind of stood out to me was, again, Kobe Bryant. And I remember my younger years, I wasn't the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. But now I feel like the more you hear about him and you know later in his life and then after his passing, you started to hear more about you know his mindset, how driven he was, his work ethic and and it's stuff like that that I love hearing and I resonate a little bit with. And you get that more in this and you, and you get video clips of Kobe on here too, talking about uh, talking about the, the dream team and, and, and his experience in the Olympics and and uh, or I should say the redeem team and, uh, you know, just kind of talk some stories like the Paul Gasol story or, uh, again, I'm not going to give you any spoilers or anything like that, or, you know, the time that the the rest of the team was coming in from partying and he's, like, going to the gym and that sort of thing. you got to watch it uh, because it, it gives you another glimpse of just the work ethic of a Kobe. And I feel like, especially in basketball, when it comes to certain players, we develop a a certain negative connotation with them like especially if they're shooters you know alan iverson ball hawk kobe bryant ball hawk because they shot a lot i mean they scored a lot i'm guilty of that i was guilty of that a lot as a kid and even to this day a little bit too you know like oh wow they shot the ball that many times Ugh, ball hawk pass the ball you know, it's 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 something that we've developed as kids. And you know, when you're playing in, in basketball teams or in gym class or recess, you know, kids shoots all the time. Ball hog, pass it. You know, it's easy. It's an easy disc there. But to know a little bit more on the background of Kobe and, and his work ethic, I've I've become a bigger Kobe fan in the last couple of years, the last few years here. I really have. And and this is another example of just kind of getting a glimpse into the mindset of Kobe. And the other one is Coach K. His ways of motivating, his ways of, you know, getting a group. And this is a college coach, and yes, probably the most successful, one of the most successful college coaches of all time. He's had a ton of NBA talent throughout his college teams, but going to the national level and bringing in all these egos and all these pro team or pro players onto one team, how do you motivate them? How do you focus them? Or how do you get them focused? How do you get them to buy into what you're selling? as a coach right and i'm not a duke fan i'll never will be a duke fan okay but again kind of like kobe in the last couple years i've grown more of an appreciation for coach k's style of coaching or the way he gets players to to buy in or his motivating tactics to to, for for players It, it was it was awesome it was awesome those were the two main things i took away from from that documentary if you have some time to watch it Please do yourself a favor and check it out on Netflix. It's very, very well done. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, hey, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Appreciate it. Uh, if you got a minute, got a couple minutes or so, probably doesn't even take you that long, don't forget to, to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms. That's like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. You name it, we're all over. Uh, don't forget to give us a positive review positive rating so other people can find the podcast too special thanks again to hy and toys and ford our wonderful sponsors for the man cave podcast until next time we'll talk to you guys again soon